You are now tuned to the Priority One Subspace Frequency, brought to you by Sayulita.com. Sayulita, the galaxy's premier shore leave destination. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, welcome to episode 102 of Priority One, recorded on Thursday, October 25th, 2012, and hosted on PriorityOnePodcast.com, now streaming live on TrekRadio.net on Thursday nights. I'm James. I'm Adrian. And I'm Elijah. And this week, Elijah's at the board under the close supervision of DJ David of Trek Radio. So, good luck to you, DJ David. Hey, hey, so far, nothing has broke, okay? It's the... As David puts it in the IRC chat room, it is the maiden voyage. We're on our own, and, and, and David's uh, holding my hand as we do this, because I'm really nervous. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. 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 And I, I just like to watch, so... <laughs> I heard that about you. <laughs> Indeed. So, Elijah, what do we got? Well, in this episode's Blank of the Week, Alex and Declan give their after-action report from Destination Star Trek London. We'll find out what happened this week in Trek. In Stow News, there is plenty to cover. We'll cover the Stow Gateway launch, which I missed the announcement last week with you guys. Foundry Spotlight, Season 7, Dev Blogs 6, 7, 8, and 9. And, of course, our weekly blog roundup. And if that's not enough for you, we've got a special interview with Admiral RC of Icarus Fleet. And we actually have a Field Notes report for this week. Hey, Field Notes, the long-lost segment. But before we get on with the show, let's take care of the usual. Adrienne? Well, hi. We're on live on trekradio.net every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time. If you'd like to join us live during the show, Trek Radio has a built-in IRC chat client. Just click on the community menu and select IRC chat. Input your desired screen name and enter. (laughs) Halloween. I guess. We are always looking for new submissions and blogs and such from the gaming and gaming news community, sci-fi, fantasy, all those types of things. So if you guys have any good ideas, you want to be entertainment bloggers, please send your articles to us if you want your voice to be heard on the show. And you can send that to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com, care of Bill, and Mr. Bill will check it out. Please note that these are only volunteer positions. We don't have any money to give you, unfortunately, but we give you a well-known outlet. If you're interested, you can also contact us through our incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com email. Well, let's set course for this episode's Blank of the Week. Wait, wait, hold on. Do you guys do you guys hear that? Some, we've got something coming in on the comm. What? What is that? All right, folks, this is Elliot, executive producer of Priority One, and I am here with our dear, dear friends, Alex and Deck, and uh, uh, they both have recently returned from their own away mission to Destination Star Trek London, which is pretty exciting. We, uh, the uh, North American side of the, the Priority One contingent got to experience Star Trek 
Las Vegas convention this August, which was astounding. So I can only imagine that Destination Star Trek London was pretty cool, too. Um, is this your first Star Trek convention for both of you, or, or are you guys veterans? Yeah, it's uh, both our first times, and even though I wrote a blog on it, it's, it's a lot different to when you actually go there and experience it firsthand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but I must say, I don't think you'd ever needed any kind of experience to, to go there. Anybody can go to a convention and find their place. Yeah, that's one of the things that we all noted when we went to Vegas was was how much of a homecoming it felt for all of us. Yeah, well, I mean, well, the greatest thing about being there is you're around people who are exactly like you from all different kinds of walks of life, but we're all brought together for this amazing thing. And if that isn't Gene Roddenberry's vision, then really, what is what I liked was um, when I arrived, it's like obviously we had Mehmet and Lennon meet up with me because I, I don't know my way around London. It's like me beaming down a vice with a blindfold. I just bump <laughs> into everything. So we were on um, one of the trains, you know, going to the expo center. And somebody had actually noticed that on my um, bag I had the um, Star Trek Online you know, collector's edition you know, Delta badge. So she started you know, struck up a conversation where it's like, oh, are you going to the Star Trek event? It's like, oh, yes, we are. Like, who are you going to go see? It's like, oh, I'm here to see Jane Range. Yeah, she was of the same mind. So we were just, like, hanging about, talking about what we loved about Star Trek, getting along, and you could tell that we were on the way to Star Trek convention because on one of the replacement buses, I was sitting next to somebody in a um, DS9 uniform, and to my right of me, there was two people wearing a Next Generation uniform. I was going to say, I don't know, after the London Olympics, the only thing that could have followed up would be Star Trek London with five captains, all five captains. We've placed five rings with five captains, and it was absolutely fantastic. I personally managed to meet them all, and it was like being at Disneyland. It was Disneyland for day. That's, you know, that that is pretty awesome, mate. I really missed uh, Patrick Stewart at Vegas. I Hands down my favorite, and, and I absolutely wanted to see him, but sadly, he couldn't make it. Well, uh, like I said, we did actually meet Patrick. My uh, girlfriend is uh, absolutely in love with Patrick Stewart. And I really only want to see Avery Brooks, but she was like, no, we must go meet him. But I think we caught Patrick at the wrong time of day. It was right at the end of the day when we got our signature signed by him. And someone had clearly just upset him. So he wasn't in a very good mood. And we do know, as much as we love our Patrick, he can be a moody fellow. You know, he's a Yorkshireman. <laughs> Uh, you know, so you know, this is understandable. But one thing that made me absolutely chuckle and still makes me chuckle now is before we met him, there was a girl in front of us and she was doing that thing that people do. Or I think because everybody knows Patrick Stewart's a little touchy about his role in Star Trek because it's defined his career. And really, he feels right. he's a Shakespearean actor, you know. And, yeah, and he's, I got a, that, he's, I, got a, he's got a very storied career outside of Star Trek. You know, I mean, it, most folks in the U.S. who aren't familiar with... with uh, with live theater they you know they're not really aware of exactly how how you know brilliant his career has been prior to meeting Gene Roddenberry. Oh, phenomenal career but I mean obviously he was brought mainly into the public eye through Star Trek and it's, it's quite upsetting for him actually because I mean I remember watching our local news when he carried the torch of the Olympics a fantastic achievement in anybody's life and uh, he, as soon as he ran up to the camera girl the report was like what's it like Patrick Stewart Captain Picard running with the torch and you think let this man have this without being Patrick, <laughs> without being um, Captain Picard, you know, and he's clearly upset then, but 
this girl in front of me is doing this, the whole, I'm going to talk about Shakespeare, because I'm sure Patrick would rather appreciate that than me talk about Star Trek, you know, kind of, in a very obvious, ingratiating kind of way. And she said, you know, you were marvellous in uh, Stratford in Hamlet, and he, brilliantly, I think he just, you know, completely saw through kind of like the fakeness of it, and was just like, yes, yes, everything I do is good, you know? <laughs> and that just kept me chuckling. <laughs> Every so nonchalantly, yes, everything I do is good. There you are. <laughs> he was fantastic, and his talk was absolutely brilliant. I must say, really enjoyed it. I nearly lost my girlfriend uh, to Captain Picard. I don't think I'd have minded with being Captain Picard, but yeah, fantastic. To right, if it's got to be somebody, if it's got to be somebody, it exactly. So that get out. So big that um, when I was there on the Sunday, there was also a t- another talk. Like I remember texting um service filmers, being like. Hey, do you want to come meet up? That's when our technology was still working. And it's like, oh, I'm queuing up for Patrick Stewart. And so it's like, okay, 20 minutes go by, and all you hear is this big giant roar, like, ah, and it's coming from the main stage. And then I get a text from Serb saying, we're we're just out of the um, Patrick Stewart, you know, thing. Maybe you heard us. (laughs) They were loud for those talks. I mean, William Shatner's was just unreal. I think you could have heard that on the other side of London. It was immense. But um, I will say this about Star Trek London, as much, I mean, I loved it, but this was our only holiday, so we put some serious money behind this, and I got, you know, loads of signatures, got to meet loads of people, it was magical. But for the fan who went and just bought the ticket, there wasn't sadly very much for them to do if they hadn't have brought a boatload of cash like we did, do you know what I mean? There was a, a great museum, but it was a small museum, so you could have looked at that, but generally, mainly merch stalls, things like that. There wasn't very right. much to do for the fan that hadn't bought extra tickets. And I did think that was sad. I don't know, it's my first con, so I don't know if that's standard. Elliot, have you been to a con before? I assume you've been to a few. I, yeah, yeah, I've been to a number of them. I started going to conventions uh, when I was, I guess, 13 years old. Absolutely, from, from day one. I remember my first convention. The only reason that I was able to do so much cool stuff was because I was volunteering with our local Star Trek group uh, you know, we were ticket taking and and manning the ropes and that sort of thing uh, on a volunteer basis. So we effectively got backstage passes. But I, awesome, I remember though. my yeah yeah absolutely that's I, well as a as a result I got to uh, I got to have dinner with George Takei, um, which and Mark Leonard uh, the guy who played Damn, Sarah, that's Father, yeah yeah it was it was outstanding. I mean granted there was a group of about twenty five of us you know so it's not like me and George in a candlelit booth you know um, but. But uh, oh uh, yeah, oh my, that's <laughs> that's right. But uh, but yeah, so you know, I mean, stuff like that. And I I met Jonathan Frakes the same way, and Nichelle Nichols, and and you know, the list goes on. But and and uh, and J- Jimmy Doohan, he was he was probably my favorite. He was the most gregarious of of all of them. But man, that guy could sweat. Holy smokes! I guess uh, long story short, all those experiences were fantastic. But I remember walking into the merch room. And seeing all of these goodies that a thirteen year old trekkie would would just die for and and then looking at the prices and it and it hasn't changed yeah. in in twenty plus years you know i it, when we went to Vegas, same deal you know we brought marginally more than enough cash to do what we wanted to do and and still i I had to call the missus and say, "Can I buy this please 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 okay yeah, to, <laughs> either go without go gambling or buy it. See, I, I was really but, lucky. Um, my my missus was so overjoyed to be there. She was having just as much fun with me. It was absolutely magic. So we spent an absolute fortune. But, I mean, we, <laughs> we did have so much fun. And to be honest, like I say, it was like Disneyland for Deck. You, that's a memory mm-hmm. I've got where I got to meet 
my heroes. And, you know, I'm a 26-year-old man, you know, big burly-looking guy. And I was like a child when I was there. I, <laughs> when I met Avery Brooks, I wanted to be eloquent. I love that and, picture. Know, and, oh, man, that picture. I will be putting that picture up yep. in my blog that I'm going to do over there at Star Trek Online. It, it looks – it's the best picture ever. And he loved my girlfriend. So another guy I nearly <laughs> lost him to. If it wasn't Patrick Stewart, it was Avery Brooks or the Klingons. Everybody wants her, and I nearly didn't escape with her. The Klingons loved her. There was these two Klingon guys in the Klingon zone, because obviously yeah, there was a Klingon zone and a Federation zone, and uh, yeah. the Klingon zone was fantastic, really good. The Federation zone, not so much. It was like beanbags and Romulan ale and nothing else. Um, and Romulan ale is Blue Wicked. Do you guys have that in America? Uh, what is it? Okay, it's Blue like... Blue Wicked, it's basically um, vodka with food... Um... It's like a, it's like Alka Pops, we call them. I don't know if you have them over here. It's, we call it children's <laughs> drinking. It's vodka and like lemonade and it's blue. And it's generally the drink of the chav. And they probably don't have chavs in America, actually. It's the drink of kind of the louts and the kids that are out on street corners getting drunk. You know, mm. So clearly why Romulan Ale is barred in the Federation. You know? Right. <laughs> but yeah, we, we met the... these two Klingon guys. And um, me and my girlfriend are covered in tattoos. We're both tattoo artists in our real lives. But, you know, as close as we get. And they loved her tattoos. And, I, of course, I've done them on her. So that was awesome when these two Klingons were like, who's done these? And I was like, oh. And she's like, he did them. And I was like, oh, this is, like, the best moment in my life. These Klingons look at me. And <laughs> they were great guys. They both won as well. One of them has actually booked in with me to have, they real Star Trek fans, Klingon birds of praise across their shoulders, like the scene from Voyage Home. Um, where they're mm. flying under the San Francisco Bridge. I was like, oh, th that just oh, made our brilliant. day. That was the first day, set the tone. That's fantastic. They did have they did have Romulan Ale at Vegas, except it was a house special. It was a, uh, the, the bar at the house, uh, the Rio there. Um, and, and I believe it was rum-based. I didn't, I didn't have any. I don't, I don't actually drink alcohol myself, but um, I, they had the recipe. They had the concoction up on the uh, up on the uh, the sandwich board there, the signboard. So going See, back to what um, Deck had said earlier about there not being a lot for like first time ticket holder. Uh, when we arrived there, we got told uh, you know that the free talks, the slots for them are all taken up, but you know like there was no seats available. But we were allowed to like sit, stay on the sidelines and don't pass this red sure. tape, but you can still take part, which is a bit of a shame because some of the ones we had to miss out because there was like just like way too many people there and you couldn't see what's going on. But I have to say, because this is like London's first Star Trek convention in about a couple of decades, they're not they're not going to put on a big giant show like Vegas. But what they put on, I kind of enjoyed. Well, you know what's oh, interesting so... is, is they they didn't have they didn't have the Klingon and Federation zone in Vegas. So I'm interested to hear a little bit about why you think they did that and what uh you know how how it came off. We were there and I think I said to Deck it was it was like the mirror universe of Star Trek Online. Like the Klingon zone was packed, it was full, it was populated, it was beautiful. Federation zone was like not a lot of people there. There's stuff there that will keep you occupied, but not enough to keep you staying there and drinking the um, Romulan ale. Yeah, the Federation Zone was really poor, especially considering the Klingon Zone was so well done. And they had Klingon guys knocking around. There was even a, uh, a wedding, actually, on the Friday, which was fantastic. Um, a couple uh, decided to get married, and they had the full Klingon wedding. They even had the battle before and proper Deep Space Nine, you're cordially invited. And they had a wonderful wedding cake as well, made by this lady who apparently teaches a cake class she tried to get us involved in. And it was a bald cube in three layers. So three bald <laughs> cubes to make the tear. Green lights that lit up. And my missus, being clever and, you know, quite munchy, 
actually managed to get a piece of the wedding cake. She got talking to this girl, and it was fantastic. I would be ringing that girl for my own wedding, definitely. <laughs> I was just going to say, so there wasn't much in the way of, of, of props or set pieces or anything like that? Oh, we had some nice pop pieces. I've got some pictures that I'm going to put up once I get everybody's. There was a Sulabon ship that was there from um, Enterprise. We also had... There was this one prop, another one from Enterprise, where it's Porthos, and he's in, like, this incubator thing. The prop looked so realistic. I was like, oh, my God, they haven't put a real dog in there, have they? <laughs> that that prop broke my heart. Like, we saw so many, didn't we? Like, the weapons, for instance. We're a little disappointed because even on the pictures, they look really good. But when you were up close, you could so tell, obviously, they were wards. Some of them were really used, so they had a chip here and there. But, yeah, the mm. Porthos in a box, ill. We broke your heart. Yes, I, I've not watched much of Enterprise, so I didn't get the backstory of what happened. And I'm just like, oh my god, who puts a beagle in an incubator like that? Oh. Terrible episode of Enterprise, but yeah, it seriously grips your heart seeing that little guy. Definitely a few pictures of that. Yeah, and um, I you know um, Data's head from The Next Generation, how that thing practically came off every other episode? That was an amazing prop, though. I do think that prop was really good. That looked you in the eyes. It was. So, other than the captains, who else was there? Was was Garrett there, and and any of the other no. uh, Voyager crew? Well, like me as a Voyager fanboy, you'd be slightly disappointed. There was only um, Janeway, of course, but more on her later, as you already know. Um, got Seska, and we got um, Echep. Echep had actually grown up quite well, hadn't he? Um, deck. Oh. God, yeah, and his line, I was there, like I said, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and his queue was always full. I personally get a ticket, um, get a signature from each Ev, but his queue never went down. William Shatner's went down. I never saw each Ev sat, and I couldn't believe it. Alex was pretty sad, obviously, because they were, there was only three, but I am definitely a child of Deep Space Nine, first and foremost. It was with me all through my childhood, and for me, it was ridiculous. There was everybody there, pretty much, except the Ferengi and Colomini, who I would obviously love to meet. But everyone else was brilliant. Um, René Aubergenois is a classy guy. Um, they were all handshakes as well, because some people like William Shatner, no handshakes, no personalised autographs, things like that. So they were all really friendly. And I met Chase Masterson as well, and all of us uh, Stowe players will know that we got the free litre, the hollow litre. And I, you know, when I met her, I had to do everything but not say, I've, bought a, I've got a little you for coming here. Um, she's amazing. She was my 15-year-old yeah, totally dream girl. I've, uh, yeah, and uh, it, I've never had a good time in my life. They're, all of them were lovely, absolutely. Um, yeah, Garrick was there, Andrew J. Robinson. I'm a massive fan of his. Um, some people may know he wrote a brilliant Star Trek book about the life of Garrick. And actually, he wrote it, No Ghost Writers. It's very good. And he's a lovely guy to meet. J.G. Herzl, who plays Martok, is just a legend. I mean, they did a photo shoot as well. Him and Robert O'Reilly, who plays Gowron, they did a photo shoot in full Klingon armor. That was just fantastic. I got a picture with I those guys. Had to be. I saw some pictures of Klingon guitars. Is that Batleth guitars? Is that something that happened? Or am I uh, imagining that? I think that was um, J.H.'s actual guitar. He'd actually had it made into like part of a Batleth. Oh, wow, that's cool. I didn't see any of that. I wonder if that was in the uh, opening party. Did you, oh, well, you know, you came on the Sunday. Um, the opening party saying that, I missed that. 
But when I looked at tickets for that, I couldn't really justify it. It was £95 for one ticket. So if me and my girlfriend went, um, fiancé even went, uh, we would have to pay an extortionate amount. So we were like, ah, I'll miss out. You know, we paid enough for the signatures. And I'm happy with what I paid for the signatures. But £95 was a bit extortionate, I thought, for the opening. Indeed. Plus, the, they weren't going to be on stage all that long. And you'd rather go to a personal fork as opposed to... But speaking of paying money, I remember me, Lennon, Mehmet, we're just all thinking around, and they've got the captains, you know, you've got um, Shatner, Picard, Picard, Avery Brooks, Kate Mulgrew, and obviously um, Scott Bakula. So we're just walking past that bit, and they're taking, like, you know, virtual ticket numbers, and they're saying, like, if you have anything that you want signed, ready on hand, and the money, I was just like, ah, snap, just open up my bag, get out my Voyager DVDs, throw my cash at the guy, be like, yes, I'm ready, I want to go meet Kate Mulgrew. It, it is a wonder you did not run off with that girl. I was almost thinking of alerting security how excited you were to meet Kate Mulgrew when I was <laughs> Oh, no, no. Right? So, there's me, like, handing it over, you know, do I want um, it personalised? Like that? Yeah, here's my name, could you put it on the ticket? So she gives me it back. I go da- further down into the queue, I'm just, like, having a nosy at what everybody else is, um, you know, what they're getting signed. So I hand um, my Voyage DVDs over to um, the assistant, as well as my ticket, and the girl before me just, you know, she goes off, and then all, next thing I hear is, hello, in, you know, Kim Mulgrew's sultry voice, I'm like, I think my legs have stopped working. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, so, nice yeah. I'm just like, so, like, spaced right now, and then it's like, hi, I'm very glad to meet you. And I'm like, oh, I got a feeling my throat <laughs> is going to swell up. So then um, she's, she looked at this um, Voyager DVD box set, and it is quite big. So she um, lifts up the top and says, like, it's got all seven seasons, nice and neatly arranged. And I said, that's like the best thing I have ever bought. So she got it, and she signed on the top of it, To Alexander, wishing you the best, Kate Mogu. Needless to say, you could have seen me smiling for the rest of the convention as I walked um past that and um, back to Mehmet and Shinsei. I was just so ecstatic that I was I, right there in face with somebody that I've idolized for like 17 years. You were absolutely over the moon, yeah. I've never seen a grown man so happy, I must say. But I mean, <laughs> it was that feeling for all of us, I think definitely. Everybody was there, we all had this warm glow because we were meeting our heroes. And I met so many awesome fans. Like, there wasn't one fan I met that thought uh, he was a bit off or, you know, I couldn't hang around with him. I could have hung around with everyone I spoke to for the entire convention and enjoyed it. They were all such lovely people. And everyone was just so excited, like grown men running around like children. Uh, it's, it's brilliant. And it's something that's very hard, I think, to capture as an adult, that feeling. You know, we all work long hours and it's all about paying the bills and things like that and then you get a day or three days to step out and just meet your heroes the people who you've been going into space with for years to get away from all the working and stuff and yet you can't put a price on that feeling so i mean as much as it costs you cannot put a price on meeting with every your penny. heroes worth yes. every penny and i will be paying back that credit card bill for some time reminding <laughs> myself how much it's until worth. next year <laughs> Yeah. It was all that Klingon bloodline, man. It was, that, that was uh, yeah, we actually shared a Klingon bloodline. It was one of the first things we did. I thought Arcadia brothers should appreciate that. First thing me and Alex did, straight for the bloodline. And uh, yeah, but you weren't as big of a fan as I was. 
No, it's like, it, it was really nice, but the the aftertaste in the back of your throat, it's like, yeah, I think you'd need to be eating something like gak or stones to actually enjoy that. <laughs> it, it did have a, a quite a sharp bite at the end. Apparently that's Tabasco in there, gives it kind of a spice. But uh, I would totally have loved if they'd been gar. Well, however that came, I wasn't lucky enough to get over to Vegas before they closed the experience. I mean, I know they had quarks and they served all these wonderful weird foods. I'm really disappointed that they didn't have gar or rock egg blood pie or, you know, any of the other wonderful kind of things we see. And uh, yeah, the same in the Federation Zone. Again, I thought that could have been made a little bit better by offering maybe Hasbara or, you know, some of those amazing desserts that Deanna Troy's eating, you know. So you guys did not do costumes this year? No. Oh, actually, no, no. Um, I was just, Leonard no, did. Jumpers and no, jewelry. didn't he? Oh, Lennon did. And Lennon looked yeah. pretty good as well. There were a lot of costumes there, which obviously some are cheaper than others. Some hang off the body really awkwardly. But Lennon's next generation costume was spot on. Yeah, nice. he was the away team red shirt. And yes, he did end up on the floor by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, we do have a great picture of that. He was, but all the guys were brilliant. I must say, for me personally, it was a great pleasure. I've not been with Priority uh, One for very long. I know, obviously, Alex has been around a long time. And it was great to just actually, you know, meet face-to-face, like you guys said, you know, about Vegas. It's brilliant to get together and actually meet everyone. And Mehmet, as well, was a lifesaver because we went and had one of the bridge photo shoots done. The And it was the original series bridge. Got some cracking photos from that. But I kept picking up, for some reason, Alex's goodie bag and carrying it around while we were walking around as if it was mine. You know, I think you're so used to, like, bags around you get everything before you move anywhere. And I kept carrying Alex's. And I put my photos from the bridge shoot in Alex's bag. And, you know, we're freaking out because my girlfriend as well. There was two pictures. And in one of them, she's trying to pull a shocked face, you know, really get into it. But she blinked when the guy took the picture. So it does not look good. You know, it is not her prettiest hour. And, uh, <laughs> you know, she was like, I must get them. You know what girls are like, I have to get that back. Uh, so we had a Taken-style chase across London to find Alex and Mehmet. But then Mehmet rang me, bless him, and said, listen, don't rush about. Go and have some food. I'll get the pictures off Alex, and I'll come and meet you. And not only did he come and meet us and bring us the photos, which was darling enough, he took us on a tour of London, because London's his hometown. Everything we hadn't seen, the guy was an absolute legend. Big loves to Mehmet. Yeah, really great yeah, guy. What I thought was um funny, the only reason I'd noticed that was because... Um... Lennon said to me, oh, what did you get in your goodie bag, you know, like, on the way home? So I was like, oh, we got this, this, we didn't get these. Oh, crap, these are decks. Um, photos. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> what, uh, I know that, you know, in thinking about my Vegas trip, there's a couple of things I'm definitely going to do different next year. One of them is I do plan to go in costume. I'm working on the uh, the suede Scotty engineer jacket from uh, Star Trek 3 and uh, 4. Uh, that, uh, nice. uh, that, that, yeah. that good, yeah, that's it. You know, when you, when you reach a certain age, as we covered earlier, <laughs> the, the you spandex next generation outfits, don't Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, when my son so goes, it's all going to be William Shatner. We'll let the girdle go. And I'll be William <laughs> right. <Shatner. laughs> that's great. Um, so yeah, so I'll definitely be going with that, with that look. Um, and uh, uh, so I definitely want to do costuming, and, and there's a few survival things that I learned this year that, because uh, it had been years since my last convention, and, and uh, again, I was a younger man then, so it was a little easier to take some of the abuse than it is now. Um, so, so definitely a few things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do differently, as well as I'm going to plan out more carefully who I want to see and who I want to get autographs from 
and and sort of try to budget both time and money for that. So I guess I'm curious, what did you guys take away as, geez, next year I'm going to do this? Are they going to have a convention next year? Is this going to be annual now? This was to be a trial run, and I read somewhere that it exceeded all expectations. So unless they decide to go absolutely crazy and think, no, it exceeded all expectations, so we're not going to do another one. It's going to be on next year. And uh, Patrick Stewart has been quoted in saying that if they do it again next year, he will drag the Next Generation cast with him. All of them. Uh, now, that would be fantastic. That would be really an awesome feature to any convention. Indeed. But um, going back on what you said, what I probably would do is spend the entire weekend there. Because trying to get everything done in one day, uh, it was just chaos. Like, Getting there, I was in late, so we missed the free talks. Um, so we had to like reevaluate our entire day around this, and uh, it was just crazy. I had taken too much stuff. My bag was heavy as hell. Like I kept having to dump it on a few people. Like, hey, could you take this while I um, I don't know, pass out? It's kind of how you got my bridge photos, I think. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Either that or I'm de um, developing kleptomania. Yeah, that could be it too, totally. That's why I was pointing that gun at you, man. I knew this was... Yeah, I'd probably do it more over the... Um, all three of the days, so that way I can get in easier. Because trying to get a train on a Sunday, from my own town up to um, London, they just weren't having it. So I'd do, go all around the houses trying to get into London in the first place. But if I go like on a uh, Friday and come back on a Monday, the trains all should be running, should all be fine, and hopefully there's no maintenance on the M2 this time. I mean, I don't think I could lay down one specific highlight, I tell you guys. If every little bit of it was fantastic. I got to meet, I say, everyone from Deep Space Nine was pretty much there, and I got to meet them all. That was fantastic. I, I wouldn't change much, to be honest, because I was a little Marine cadet when I was a young teenage boy, and we went down pretty stocks. We uh, didn't go to the convention too heavy. And everything was kind of planned out. But I will say that we did need three days. Absolutely, Alex. I mean, we, every day we, we did everything. And come Sunday, we were like, oh, there's, there's nothing left for us to do. We'll just go down. We wanted to get a couple of signatures for our captain's poster. We hadn't got William Shatner and we hadn't got Scott Bakula. So we thought, we'll go get them and then we'll go chill around London because we've done everything. And we were there still for the full day because there was still so much to do. So, yeah, I'd say definitely you need to commit as much time as you can to really get the full thing out of it. The highlight... I suppose if I had to nail down one was I got engaged to my lovely lady while we were there. So, I mean, that would definitely be my highlight of the weekend. Congratulations, Stock that's wise, lovely. Thank you, man. You know, she's uh, insane enough to have said yes. So, uh, and I'm very, very grateful. Hopefully I will never lose her. She's a lovely lady. And, yeah, she was so excited about Star Trek. And I've got to say, I don't know any of the guys listening out there who, you know, we have girlfriends. Maybe your girlfriend isn't a fan of Star Trek. But to have a fan of Star Trek as a girlfriend as well is fantastic. For Trekkie, it's, it, it really is amazing. You feel like you can share that extra thing. And I'll say this, if there are any boys listening who've got a girlfriend and they want to get them into Star Trek, the way to do it is Deep Space Nine, The Visitor. That episode, it's about, I don't know if you guys have seen it, it's about Jake Sisko um, and he loses his dad at the beginning and kind of grows on. Have you guys seen this episode? Mm-hmm. I've seen it. It was one of the DS9 episodes that didn't put me asleep in the first five minutes. Ah, well, my man, that is a great way of showing a lady that Star Trek is a lot more than phaser battles and away teams and all these things. That shows through a depth of Star Trek, and every girl I've shown that to has always been, is there any more? You know, so little hint there, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, no, 
No massive highlight. Every second was a highlight. It was an absolute joy. And if it is on again next year, I'll be there. The only thing I change is, like you, I think, Elliot, I will be going in fancy dress. And my lady was all the way through. I wish we'd come in fancy dress. So what I'll go as, I don't know. There was some, like you said, there were some great people there. There was a, a great Brent Spiner guy. He really looked like Dave. He'd gone to all the effort of the makeup. There was some cool board. So I have no idea what I'd go as, but I think, yeah, next time. Uh, let's see how much weight I put on, and maybe I'll be pulling the Scotty in London. We can uh, we can be mirror brothers. I'll, I'll keep my goatee, <laughs> and I can be mirror Scotty and Elliot. You can be proper Scotty over in uh, Vegas. <laughs> That'd be great. Get a sash and a dagger, and uh, and you'll be set. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll go full on it. We'll get me and you pictures. Fantastic. Talk about merch for a second. I know you guys, you, you said you saw lots of props and cool stuff, and Alex, you were promoting the the price of some of it as as I was. Um, is is there anything that caught your eye that you know, man? If if money wasn't an option, it would have been an instant buy for you. What didn't well, you get? There were some things like, yeah, I had enough money to buy, it, but it wasn't so much as um, oh, I could not afford it. It was more like, how am I going to get this home? There were like these huge, beautiful canvas prints of these like amazing photos oh, yeah. that had been done, and I was like, wow, I want that. Then I'm like, how the hell am I going to get that home? It's just so big. But I was toying with the idea. There was these busts that were out of um, Patrick Stewart and uh, William Shatner in the respective characters. They looked amazing. They were just about 60 quid. I was like, I could you know, drop that. But above them, they had the prototypes for the ones coming out next year. And it was like Spock, Khan, Aurora, um, Worf. I think that was it. Bones, that was it. They all looked amazing. And I was like, I want... I just want to throw my money at this cabinet and, you know, just have these. But the only ones that were available were um, Shatner and, um, you know, uh, Patrick Stewart. Problem was, I think Patrick's face for the um, bust didn't look quite right. And I'm not a huge fan of TOS, so that sort of rules out the Shatner one. What about you, Dick? I know that you went uh, you went rock star crazy uh, with in the in the merchandise rooms. Is there anything that, that you held back on or anything that you thought maybe I'll wait till next year for? Well, there was one thing actually I saw, and I, it's something I wanted again for a while. We had it when we were kids, me and my little brother. Oh, he had it. He got it for a birthday, and it was the Defiant toy model. And I'm sure back then it was something like thirty-five pounds to buy. And I saw it, and you know, I thought, God, I'd love that. My brother would go crazy <laughs> over that. But it was uh, two hundred and twenty-five pounds now. Oh. And I, I really teetered. I teetered on the edge of that two hundred and twenty-five pounds. But then I'm looking at my woman and I'm like, okay, we spent a lot of money and she has not blinked. But if I try and buy a toy client <laughs> that makes phase noises, you know, for 225 quid, right. our engagement might quickly be off, you know. So, <laughs> but I mean, that is the one thing I regret not buying. Like, looking back, I like, I could have been single and had a defiant, you know. Um, <laughs> But we did, but we got, there was a lot of dolls on, you know, like figures and a uh, real great selection of them. All kinds of weird, crazy ones. You could even get a little toss, you know, all the rarer ones. And they were only about £10 a piece, which I thought, really good. You know, standard Forbidden Planet kind of style oh, prices. The um, upside was, well, for me anyway, because it was on the Sunday, you know, merch was like sort of, they were doing deals like three for two on the, um, you know, toy figures and such. But they didn't do too much of the reducing in the, um, place where they had like all the games and all the um, busts and all the all cool sort of stuff. Well, yeah, I got a, a data doll. We got a Brent Spiner because um, my missus wanted something for Brent Spiner to sign. So she picked that up and he signed it to Max. And yeah, it's uh, there was a lot of good stuff that was still affordable. But again, if you hadn't taken money, there was not really much for you there, my friend. 
Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to come on and, and sharing some of this with us. I know that there is a lot more to share than we can include in this episode. So what can we expect from you uh, in in the coming weeks and months here? Are you, are you going to be doing any articles? Uh, uh, are you going to, uh, Alex, do you have any art or, or uh, photo albums coming out uh, regarding London? Because I was unable to tease the art to stuff there, thank you, technology, I may finish up the first page of Arc 1 and maybe show that off like an early Christmas present and then we'll get the rest of the arc, you know, next year, maybe. Um, yeah, I, of course, I'm a writer and a writer will write and after an amazing experience like that, it has to be done. So I will be doing a uh, an article for Priority 1. I will be involving all the other Priority 1 guys that are there as well and getting their take and that'll be full of lots of epic photos um so yeah and the rest of the photos once the article's all done up they'll be given over so they'll be on the gallery um, some of them aren't the best quality sadly i am a writer i'm not a photographer but there were some great we got some great pictures of other star trek fans families that are dressed up you know mama's science daddy's tactical and the little baby's jim kirk they're amazing so yeah look out for that it should be good fantastic we can look forward to that in under the new community authored section for in the uh in the blog section of the site so check that out it should be uh should be coming shortly guys that was awesome why don't we check out what happened this week in trek and this week in trek we have a couple coming to us from memory alpha here let's see october 24th 1991 gene roddenberry passed away a very sad day for all of us in the trek community mm -hmm. loss of the great bird of the galaxy on october 22nd 1992 the ashes of gene roddenberry were sent into space aboard the space shuttle columbia let's see here on the 27th of october 1953 robert picaro was born so happy birthday to voyagers emh so that closes this week in trek why don't we head on over and see what's in stone news computer status report status incoming message i'm only in the mood for good news today so we got our weekly blog recap. Ceridium brought us The Spirit of Trek, Fan Productions and Star Trek Renegade. This is a very cool blog. Check it out. Ceridium writes, Star Trek fans have done the most work in recent years by leveraging the reach of the internet to keep the spirit of Trek alive and well during a time when there's no new Star Trek to watch on television. This week we'll be taking a look at Star Trek fan productions and more specifically Star Trek Renegades. We also have a blog, Behind the Lines, David Mack, Countdown of Awesome. Check it out. In his latest article, Declan shows you why. When you hear David Mack is writing a trilogy, any true Trek-lit fan sits up and pays attention. Our third and final installment of our video tour at Cryptic Studios is available now on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Priority one This episode features an interview with Stowe lead content designer, Scott Goatshock Chickhoff. We will continue to bring you multiple videos every month, so check back frequently for updates. Please be sure to visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to read the complete articles. We've got some amazing talent in our literary department. You won't be disappointed. There's some really awesome blogs and really fun cryptic trip stuff, and even some Star Trek London, so check it out. Don't forget, Captains, we're always looking for submissions to our literary department, so if you've got a blog that you want to have published, don't forget to send it in to incoming at Priority One, care of Bill. Congratulations to Declan and Sori for all their hard work and the rest of the literary team. It's a real pleasure working with you all.
And on to Spotlight on the Foundry. This week's Spotlight mission is Relics by Kirk Fat. Faction is Federation. Requirement level is Annie. Mission summary is The Klingon Empire is occupying a planet for unknown reasons. You are sent to investigate why the Klingons are so concerned with a world of insignificant military value. What you discover will alter your conceptions. Relics is also a mission that won the Foundry Challenge number four. Yes, number four. So check it out. Must be worth playing if it won the Foundry Challenge. So definitely give uh, it. Kirk Fad, yeah. Kirk Fad is an amazing Foundry author, one of the very many amazing ones. So really encourage you to play that mission. So last week, the team covered the announcement of the Stowe Gateway launch. And unfortunately, I wasn't here to join in the excitement. But now okay. it, has, okay. <laughs> it has officially launched, though, and it's in beta test. So yeah. if you recall, the Gateway allows players to remotely access their in-game status information via their desktop, tablet, or smartphone. Now, it really is at this time only a snapshot of your tune, your ship, and its boss. You can't change anything. You can't swap items from your inventory. You can't manage your DOFs yet. However, I am really impressed with how fluid the UI is. It truly feels optimized for a tablet phone experience. Keep in mind, it's only pulling data from Tribble at the time. So if you haven't migrated your tune into Tribble, you're not going to be able to test it out. So make sure you do the migration first. All in all, I'm a big fan of it. I'm really looking forward to this feature's evolution. I just hope it evolves faster than Danubulin Grubworms. So Stowe's producer, Steve Ricosa, a.k.a. Salami Inferno, talks about the newest feature to come on the Fleet Advancement System in Season 7. We've known for a while that the Fleet Advancement System was designed to evolve, quote-unquote, outpost, are the first step into the phase of the system. Steve writes, The embassy holding will work exactly like a fleet starbase in that fleets select and run projects in order to unlock tiers in a category which then unlocks tiers in the holding itself. However, for those of you concerned with the time and resources it takes to go through the current fleet advancement system, Steve reassures us that this is going to take less than half of the time and cost of current projects that you do for your fleet starbase. Fleets will be able to progress through three different tracks. You'll have your embassy, your recruitment, and diplomacy, each consisting of three tiers. Under the diplomacy track, Romulans are more willing to assist you, blending in your technology with theirs and giving players access to more different Romulan-themed type rewards. So be look out for that. They've actually named a couple more of the new kits and things that are going to be blended out of that. It's pretty cool. I really look forward to a couple of them. When following the recruitment, your fleet will become more appealing to the Romulan personnel and may convince some of their population to even join your crew on their adventures. Unlocking the MC track grants fleet access to Transwarps, Starbase, and to the embassy transportation hubs, duty officer assignment availability in your embassy, and a variety of discount vendors will all be made available through this progression track. So check that out. Here's what seems is the major concern about the, the new system, and this is based on what I've read on the forum so far. The first is, if it takes half the time and the resources than that of a primary fleet advancement system, then that's still an additional demand on resources in addition to the primary. So... Unless you're done investing in your primary fleet starbase, then you're adding more demand to an already demanding system. And as has been the case with the primary fleet advancement system, mm -hmm. smaller fleets might struggle to meet the demand of two projects now. Even though the second sure. project demands less, you're still adding, right? Because you still want to progress your primary uh, base. Right, right. Secondly, people are clamoring for solo player content. Some would rather move the focus away from endgame and the fleet advancement system 
and see the story of Star Trek progress. And I understand the mm-hmm. desire here because I consider myself generally to be a solo player. I've said that for a while. However, I know that fleets had no purpose prior to season six at the same time. And now that I have more incentive to join a team and work with my fleet to help advance ourselves, I've really appreciated season six. On top of that, was I imagining things or did they not announce that there were going to be new missions for the Romulan Zone? Are they just yeah, all group yeah. missions or are no, they going there to are. be? No, 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 there are. But yeah, they said so basically, specific to it. Yeah. It seems like what you're worried about is that season seven is just going to bring more grinding. Is that what you're worried about? That's generally what's the consensus on the forums, at least from what I read, is that season seven is going to bring more grinding and not enough story. That's what I'm reading. We'll have to see, but they did say they were going to bring in some specific to the Romulan zone. And if they hold to their word, we'll see more of that. Now, I don't know if that'll be more story than grinding. There still might be a lot of grinding. <laughs> I understand that, you know, th- there was very little endgame content before. And things have to happen in a certain progression. And that's fine. Because after Season 7, we know that things will go back to, or according to what we've spoken about with Dan Stahl, Season 8 will go back to the story. Mm-hmm. If I recall correctly. So mm-hmm. I'm okay yep, with two yep. seasons of endgame content development and then going back to the story. However, I really want story back. I think there are many people that really want the story back because Star Trek Online is our weekly Star Trek fix. You know, we don't have a show. And so we go into the game to experience Star Trek as a substitute to what was on television. So to ignore the ongoing story that is Star Trek, I think would be a real disservice to the game, to its players and to the IP. But we know that Season 8 is going to focus more on that. On Season 7, DevBlog 8, a huge update is coming to the STFs. Season 7, DevBlog 8 goes into significant detail into how they've updated and improved on the STF experience. It's a very long article, so we encourage you to carefully read through it to get a clear understanding. Generally, here are the key points. So the first one is a tiered reputation system. It's reminiscent to the fleet advancement system that will replace the current keep-your-fingers-crossed attempt at attaining the best sets. Stahl explains the way you obtain Mako Honor Omega sets is going to be different because it will no longer be in a store and will instead be via projects. And then number two, vendors will be disappearing, replaced by in-menu store. Hmm. You mean an in-store menu? Yep, there's a store in the menu. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. So we've got, there are a few other highlights to it, including a revamp of the Mako, Klingon, Honor Guard, and Omega sets. There are some changes going on to that. The blog is really long and very detailed, and it brought up a lot of questions. So we really encourage mm-hmm. you, strongly encourage you, to head on over to Stowe's website and read it carefully. But like Adrian has already highlighted, the currency is going to change. Right, so you're not going to be needing to earn EDC marks, prototypes, tech, salvage. Right. So altogether, it's about forty-two something. So you know, I gotta say, you know, I read this as soon as it posted, and a couple of times, and I was feeling really great about it until I started reading the comments. Well, I like the idea. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a fan of it because I didn't log in a thousand hours. But I was definitely one of those people that played STFs and never got the drop. Yeah, yeah. James, I know, is notorious for that. And I hope it works better this way because I didn't do as nearly as many STFs as other people have. And I almost just kind of lost hope and didn't even want to bother from hearing what you guys have said about how many STFs you ran and how you just never got what you wanted at all. Not even close. So I was just like, okay, well, I just might as well just hope that somebody has one that they're willing to lend me for a battle that will help save us in the future, or I need to just not even try. It would have been nice to know that I had a higher chance of getting it during those STFs. I would have played more STFs that way. So hopefully this new way of getting these cool sets will be 
pleasing. Yeah, it looks, I mean, there's so much more to the system other than just the gear. I mean, it's awesome that the gear is going to be predictably attainable. <laughs> On top of that, you've got the powers, the new captain powers, the captain abilities, which I looked at some of them on Tribble, and they look awesome, you know, really useful. You mentioned about the comments, that you were reading the comments? Yeah, the comments. So all this makes sense to me, and I ground a bunch of them, and I blew through all my EDCs, traded them in for Dilithium, because I got Borg sets of almost every type of weapon in the Mark 11 category that I bought with EDCs. So I don't know if there was a lot of confusion out there. It looked like there might have been, because a lot of people were saying, I saw this comment many, many times, that it seemed like people were afraid that this system was going to take away the gear they've already got. I no, think it was no, pretty. Yeah, no. yeah, right, exactly. It's pretty clear in the blog and in subsequent posts by Dan that if you already own it, it's yours. It's not going anywhere. It's staying on your tune. It's your gear. You don't have to regrind. There will be changes to a couple. Like, I know the big one I've been hearing cries about is the Borg Assimilated module. They're breaking up right. the four-piece Borg set and turning it into two three-piece ones. Because that one was so unbalanced being a four-piece set that people were using two different kits and mixing and stuff like that. And, and so they wanted to rebalance a bit on that one. I've seen a lot of complaints about that. But it's not like it's being taken away from you. It is being repurposed a bit. And they're keeping all those abilities on the Borg set on the three-piece set, right? right? And then they're stripping away yeah, the, uni yeah. the universal console and just making that a console with really awesome stats. I believe so, yeah. The other thing I'm hearing too, and for instance, Matt Miracle brought this up in the IRC chat, was the dilithium situation. There is a reduction in the dilithium exchange from the STFs where you got a nice chunk of change for trading in EDCs for dilithium or whatever you received from the STF. Uh, whether BDCs or, or some of the, the salvage. And I can understand that. You know, th that was a, a steady stream of dilithium. But honestly, when push comes to shove, I think it's a small price to pay for seeing an attainable goal to receiving the gear that you want. Instead of it being a, uh, well, maybe this time, if I keep my fingers crossed, maybe if I keep my lucky rabbit split next to me, I'll, I'll, I'll get the Mark 12 this time. Maybe, um, maybe if I'm not James. <laughs> Well, the other nice thing that they did about that, too, is they didn't attach the gear to any specific mission anymore. So it's no longer, oh, I have to run Cure Ground to get my rifle. I have to run right. this one to get my shield. They're no longer done that way because of the way it's made now. So that means if you hate a particular mission, like say you hate Infected Ground or you hate Cure Ground or something like that, you can run just the ones you want to run, the ones that you like over and over and over to get the whatever it is that we're going to be grabbing up to basically make these new ones. So that's a really nice feature, too, because that was one thing that I really despised. Of course, there was an upside to it, is it forced me to get good at all of them, which I now am. But on the downside, if you really hated a certain ground mission or a certain space mission, you were basically forced to run that mission over and over and over. Like, if I just want to play Cure Space Elite endlessly, I can play those over and over and over to get whatever I need, which is just a bonus. Well, and back to the dilithium thing, the complaints about the fact that dilithium is now an input to this gear, whereas before you just had to grind for it. Now you actually have to input dilithium in order to get this gear out. Yeah, it's a moneymaker. It's a free-to-play game, and their entire economy is the dilithium-zen combination. That's how money comes out of this game, and... And so that makes sense. So I can give them a pass on that. But on top of that, it's offset by they're going to be including dilithium rewards in fleet missions. Right. Which is awesome. 
because I'm always having to make that choice. Do I run fleet content or right. do I run STFs? Because I, I want exactly. to... Do, I, I, want, do gr- I want marks tonight or do I want to build up my dilithium bank? Yep, exactly. Not only that, but they're dropping the whole, oh, I got a battery. Now you're actually going to either get a green, blue, or purple item from one of these. Yay! That sounds great. <laughs> Moving on to the vendors thing. The in-menu store that they've added. I think it's a great idea. I think it'd be really cool if they have special vendors stay out Things that are relevant to a certain world or a certain area, I think is cool to have a special vendor for that because it also reminds you of where certain things come from and sort of that lore sense. But all the other stuff that's just sort of you can get it anywhere, really, it's just better within your menu. That's pretty cool. I don't know if you guys saw in there, but you know that there's no longer going to be the Borg items, which were like standard looking items. They're all going to have like a unique look now and stuff they said in there. And Well, and the weapons are getting an nice. upgrade. Right, yeah, and they're getting an upgrade. So they're, they're doing some really cool stuff with all that. I was really happy when I read all that. I like all the work that they've put into this. I think it's going to be a very worthwhile system. That brings us to the sticky wicket in, in this, and, and that's the fact that, okay, so you're a vice admiral, you've got 700 EDCs in the bank, and God knows how much sound and maybe you've already got all your Mark 12 gear and you don't even necessarily need any more because this is what I was reading on the forums people really having a problem with. All of your Marks, all your Salvage, all your EDCs, those are all going to be locked up tight as a drum until you get to Tier 5 on this system. So you won't be able to use that, you won't be able to get any value out of that, out of those resources, whatever they convert to now, the Marks, I guess, Omega Marks. Well, there's um, there's new stuff anyway. They've added the new kits, which are going to be... It's basically a way for you to get, say, if you wanted a kit that has the Honor Guard stats. So they're going to release, I think they call it an assimilated Mako one, which will basically have the Honor Guard stats, and vice versa. The assimilated Honor Guard will have Mako stats, so that you can do it that way if you think, you know, oh, well, the Honor Guard kit's got better stats, so you've always wanted that. You'll have a way to get that now. And there's new weapons. I mean, just... There's going to be stuff to get. It doesn't matter if you have everything that's currently out. There's going to be new stuff to get. That being said, those of us who earned everything for the old system and then some, yeah, I kind of think they've paid their dues. You've run all that content and then some, more than enough to cover anything that's new popping in. Maybe you have earned the right. Maybe you have enough stuff that you should just be dropped right at the end and say, wow, this guy's more than paid his dues. But it's tricky because I don't know what systems Cryptic has in place to look at all that, to say, how many missions does each person run? And is there even a way to measure all that? Or are they only measuring based on how much EDCs and prototype salvage and these types of things does he have in his bank account? I have no idea to know how they're measuring that against what they're putting in without seeing all the math basically in front of me it's hard to say if it's fair or not i mean i understand the kind of damn it i'm starting over again after doing all that work so you know now they've told you yeah you've busted your ass you've earned all this but guess what you'll have to bust your ass all over again just to be able to use what you've already busted your ass to get i think that's where the anger is coming from if they would have added new mark 12s and they didn't change Mm -hmm. it the way they changed it now you still would have had to play another thousand hours to get the new gear because you never would have known when you would have gotten that prototype board. They're introducing so much with this system. It's hard for me to understand that it's really going back from the start. We're not still aiming for the same Mark 12 gear. We're aiming for new gear. We're aiming for new powers. Terry Lynn had a great point in IRC here, which was that no one has earned the new rewards because they are new. Like the new weapons and whatnot. It doesn't matter if you played 10,000 STFs. It's a brand new item in-game as a reward of a brand new system in-game that's tied to 
old gameplay. Here's what I want to say. Get into Tribble and test it out. Terry Lynn in the IRC chat room pointed out that Brandon has announced that there will be a Tribble test weekend with rewards. The date and weekend has not yet been announced, so we encourage you to keep a sharp eye on StarTrekOnline.com or on Priority One for the latest for that announcement. Be sure to go into Tribble, test it out, give all the feedback that you can, and that's it. This just in to the Priority One newsroom. Sources in Romulan space have confirmed that the reformed Romulan Senate has collapsed and fighting has broken out on multiple former colony worlds. It's just as bad as it was before the Empress took the throne. Without Sela to hold everything together, everyone is making a grab for power. According to Starfleet intelligence sources, Empress Sela was last seen aboard her flagship. That vessel has not been spotted for several weeks. Reports that the ship was taken by some sort of alien device are unconfirmed. From what the Federation News Service has been able to learn, at least three factions of Senators are now vying for control of the Empire. Fighting has broken out in the streets of Sela's capital on Raytor 3, and armed bands holding portions of the city as sovereign territory for their faction. It is unclear as of yet which faction will have the support of the military or the Tal Shiar. Although a handful of individual ship commanders have declared support for a group headed by Senator Harmiet, Anthony Rice, a professor of political science at the University of Alpha Centauri, had this to say. No single faction is going to be able to claim the title of Praetor without the support of the military, and I just don't see the fleets falling in line behind a senator. No, no, no. What we're looking at here is the final collapse of the Romulan Star Empire as we've known it. At least one group of Romulans is calling for a change that doesn't involve violence. Stay tuned to the Priority One News Service for the latest information on this situation. The following segment was recorded on Saturday night after Elliot and I had the opportunity to explore the new Romulan sector zone, specifically the ground map, New Romulus. And I gotta say, I'm pretty speechless to what we experienced. Absolutely floored. I mean, I, I know they've been talking about it, but I really had no idea to what extent they'd accomplish something new in the game. Now, I'm going to start with this. Anybody that says that there is no new content in the game is just blowing smoke. Because although this is not a featured episode, and although this is not a particular story arc, at least not that we are aware of yet, there is plenty to do on New Romulus. So much so that it's a little overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's overwhelming not just in the sheer volume of things they have going on on that one planet in this entire new sector. Keep in mind, we haven't explored the rest of the sector yet. We haven't even done a space mission. But this one hub planet in the new sector, not only is it overwhelming in, in the way of the content they have there, but it's overwhelming in the way of it's almost like a new game. New ground game, anyway. It's like they took some other MMO and jammed it onto this planet in the middle of Taudua. Exactly. It is. It's very reminiscent of what you would expect of a ground-based MMO. It felt like a different game. It did not feel like the standard Star Trek Online ground combat that we have been exposed to for the last two years now. And it's refreshing. It really is. Yeah, refreshing is a pretty mild way to put it. One of the big things for me, and, and in my somewhat snarkier moments, I liken STO's ground game to, rather than beaming in to a strange new world and exploring and doing all the great Star Trek stuff that you've always wanted to when you watch the series, it feels more like you're beaming onto a soundstage and you're experiencing this tiny little 24 by 24 set. Whereas now with New Romulus, it feels like it feels like you're beaming onto a new planet. It feels like you're beaming into a, 
a colony with all the attendant tasks and everything else. It's For me, it's really the first verifiable concrete step towards real Star Trek gameplay. And the environment itself is gorgeous, too. Uh, I bet that's what I wanted to get at earlier, is that the, the environment... It's a beautiful planet. It really is. Very detailed, down to the insects and shrubs that are on there, right? down to the an- the indigenous animals. It's clear that they put a lot of work into here, and it's clear that the team has expanded, that they've been able to invest the resources into creating this, and that there are new ideas coming in. Because I want to go back to what we said is that this now feels like an MMO, a ground-based MMO that most people are familiar with. One downside that I do have about it is because it is so huge this ground map area you can explore and you bump into quest givers you know you bump into a new mission you bump into somebody that'll give you a new task to do and there isn't an order there isn't an organization to it i really liked what they did with for instance city of heroes where you had one contact and once you finished all the tasks for that contact they sent you off to a new contact and they you had to go down this to the next uh, zone or area to find that person uh, this is very much a what what you called sandbox, Elliot, uh, where it was you know you, you you're exploring and as you explore you bump into something new, and that's not my cup of tea, and I'm afraid that by doing that it might actually turn off some of the player base, and I have a feeling that a lot of the Sto players are going to complain about that because with that Starfleet mentality, that military mentality. People are expecting a, a more directed approach to how you progress on the ground. And not only that, but it's a jarring change. It's very, very different from what we're used to. And I'm afraid that it might turn off some people because it is so different. I would like to see a little more progression or a little more guidance before this goes out, before this goes online. I can see what you're saying there. And and I agree. I mean, you know, when you're taking it as a Star Trek game, you're a captain in Starfleet, you'd expect a little more direction from your superiors. But I got to say, I prefer the way they built it just from a game player's perspective. I really enjoyed the experience of exploring that planet and bumping into random scientists over here, random group of workers working on this project. For me, that was fresh and it was surprising and it was enjoyable. And I played City Heroes too, and I really did enjoy that breadcrumbing from quest to quest. I guess I don't feel like it's as necessary as you do. Here's the other thing, though, is that a majority of Star Trek Online players are first-timers. You know, like, this is the, their first MMO. So for people with experience in MMOs, this will be familiar. You're exploring and, oh, a quest giver. Cool, let me see what they need. But for the first-timers that have been used to this very structured gameplay, especially in ground combat where you just kind of, like you said, it's a sound stage. You go down, you get done what you got to get done, and then you go back into space. I'm afraid people who do not have previous MMO experience might be very, very overwhelmed with the lack of direction that there is down on the ground. That's a good point. One of the things with Star Trek Online that's amazed me since the beginning is, you know, I mean, I've I've been playing MMOs for a very, very long time. And as you say, so many first-time MMO players, I've really been surprised by that. I don't think I've played another game where I've met so many people who were so into the game in the same breath would say, yeah, this is my first MMO. And then combine that with not only being a first-time MMO player, but being a casual first-time MMO player where you go in... You only have an hour, and that's, you know, like, I know uh, James has expressed this before, is that one of the things he likes is that he can go in and he knows what to expect out of his hour of gameplay. In this scenario, it takes it away a little bit, because now in this scenario, you have to explore. You need to take some time to really experience New Romulus. 
Whereas if there was a little bit more breadcrumbing, you could feel a progression. You you know that you're moving forward. Okay, I, I'm going to get two or three missions done from my quest giver that I've got instead of having to spend the time trying to figure out what's next or what else can I do. And again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just think it's a very, very sharp change, a very big change from what we're used to in terms of mission style, mission hunting, mission finding, and ground combat combined. You know what I think is going to happen, though? People are going to, especially people who this is their first MMO, I bet they're going to find it appealing, that they're going to get hooked, just like when you first played WoW. Ten plus million people out there who were fairly compelled by that style of gameplay. And a lot of them, it was their first MMO. Somebody, you know, a friend at school, a friend at work, told them, hey, you got to check this out. And they got in there, and once they kind of got into the richness of what the game had to offer, they were in, they were done, they were hooked. I think that the kind of gameplay that New Romulus offers is going to keep people invested for longer periods of time. All in all, Captains, we are very excited for the launch of the new Romulan sector space, Taldua. And new Romulus, I mean, you know, we've just scratched the surface, played for a few hours, and really, literally, only scratched the surface of all you can do there. So we highly encourage that you jump onto Tribble and test it out. Keep an eye for Brandon's announcement of uh, Triple Test Weekend for some awesome rewards. But again, strongly recommend transfer your character over to Triple Experiences. Just get a feel of what you can expect. There are cutscenes. There are cutscenes. So, captains, really try to log in as best as you can. And, uh, you know, we're really excited for it. We think it's a nice move, a big move, but a nice one. Absolutely. Season 6 and the fleet system really felt like a whole new game to me. And now they've done it again. So kudos to Cryptic, kudos to the environment team, the content designers, everybody over there. I think this is a big win, a big, big win, and I'm really excited to see what happens next. Well, that wraps up this week in Stone News. I think now it's time to head into our observation lounge for our Fleet Admiral interview. How many people does it take, Admiral? Please notify Starfleet Headquarters. Reporting for duty. Admiral! Hello, Captains, and joining me today is Admiral R.C. of Icarus Fleet. Thank you for joining us today, uh, Admiral. I am more than pleasured to be here with you guys. Absolutely love your show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's always good to hear. Now, how long have you been listening? Uh, Probably going back to episode one, if I'm being honest. <laughs> All right, good, good, good. That's good to hear. So tell us a little bit about yourself, about your role as Admiral with Icarus Fleet. I am an 18-year-old avid Star Trek fan from day one. Found out Star Trek Online was being made back in 2008 by the now defunct company Perpetual Entertainment. Caught my attention, so I decided I was going to pay attention to the game. Then, of course, Cryptic took over after Perpetual went under, and Cryptic has done such an amazing job with the game. I'm so proud to be a true thousand-day vet in Star Trek Online. Ah, yes, the true thousand-day vet. <laughs> That's good to hear. Now, tell us about the fleet. How did you get connected with it? How did you start it? Was it something you took over? Was it something you built from scratch? Well, uh, Icarus Elite is a formation of a core group of players that were from a couple of other fleets that we had worked together in an alliance. And we decided it was time for our community goals to come together. And we decided to create Icarus Elite. And Icarus Elite was founded on the principles of fair play, gaming, and not exactly being too serious about things. So do you have any specific style of gameplay? Any, like, 
Do you lean towards RP? Is it laid back? PvP? I guess we're kind of a mishmash group, I would say. We do PvP and all that. Not necessarily hardcore like you'll find other fleets doing and all that. We love doing STFs. We average maybe 20, 30 STFs a day with our fleet. But we're definitely fun going and all that. And we definitely do enjoy RPing at the minimalist, to put it lightly. Very nice. How, how has Season 6 treated you? Season 6 has been one of the best updates that we've ever seen in Star Trek Online. With that said, with Season 5 changing the STFs to their current format was a big disappointment. But Season 6 came back, and they really did a good job with it. it but Season 6 has really proven to the players of Star Trek Online that working together is the key to being in Star Trek. That's the truth. It's about teamwork. It's about collaboration. Has your fleet progressed well? Have you had any troubles? I know that one common concern is always that those resources can be a little demanding. Have you felt that at all or no? Oh, we definitely have felt the pinch of the uh, resource requirements and all that. With Icarus Elite being a full Tier 4 Starbase, Tier 4 Shipyard, and we're literally hours away from beginning construction on our Tier 4 Fabricator, with science falling a little bit behind, obviously the fleet wanted to focus more on military, so that was our avenue, but we're definitely finding military takes about twice as long as engineering, and science takes roughly about a third of the time that engineering does to get done, even progressing to Tier 4. But when you're running into missions where you have to dump 15 purple doffs in that most people don't have to begin with, that's when you're really going to feel the pinch. Now, at the start of Season 6, one thing that fleets faced was disappointment from fleet members that found themselves unable to participate as quickly as others. Did that affect your fleet morale in any way? If so, that might not be so much the case now, but fleet morale is always an issue. How do you maintain a constant communication with the members of your fleet, and how do you keep people happy? Well, the easiest thing for us to do overall is to throw very fun events for our fleet and all that like giving away really cool ships that, you know, the leadership has bought, like the Recluse Carrier, Wells Class, things of that nature. We keep the morale up that way. But you did broach on a good subject there. When Season 6 first came out and we were progressing through Tier 0 to Tier 1, projects were literally filling up in 10 seconds. I mean, absolutely blistering speed. And we did run into a lot of issues where I would literally log into the game. I'd have 60, 70 emails waiting for me asking me why they weren't able to donate to the project because they were always filled. And one of the issues was is a lot of people felt that they weren't going to be able to donate. So what we decided to do as a fleet, and it really, really did work out, is from Tier 1 to Tier 3, we actually put a restriction in that if you were over 100,000 fleet credits, you had to wait one hour to donate to the fleet projects. And you'd be really surprised how amazing that worked out for the fleet because our leaderboard went from having 97 people on it to being over 300. It literally takes two minutes to scroll from the top to the bottom of our leaderboard now. Wow, great. That's amazing skills in organization and, and keeping everybody involved. Fantastic. Way to go. Can you tell us a little bit about the structure of your fleet? Officers, resource management, you have people focusing on STFs, etc. Oh, yes. we uh, As fleet leader and all that, I sit in charge of the fleet. I have six rank six called founders of the fleet. Each founder has an independent task and duty that they are responsible for within the fleet and within recruiting and things of that nature. We have an STF coordinator, PVP coordinator, fleet event coordinator. It's just a random triple soccer game on the fleet base. Anything of that nature, we get done rather well with, with our command structure. And we rely heavily on our rank fives, you know, for fleet interactions and all that. 
because as much as we wouldn't like to say it, being as large of a fleet as we are with over 450 people in the fleet and all that, it's really hard for the leadership to focus on fleet chat when it's flying by at warp speed. So we delegate our, you know, rank fives and fours to mediate that and bring it to our attentions and stuff like that. But the structure itself seems to work out rather well. Fantastic. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself and your members. Who are the real people behind the computer screens? Well, we are a very diverse group of people ranging from the United States, Great Britain, Russia, China, most of the European nations and all that. We've got some from Mexico and all that. So we have such a unique diversity in our membership, bringing such great diversity to our TeamSpeak server. But if you were ever to join us on TeamSpeak, you would find that our conversations are not usually in Star Trek. People may ask questions and we'll answer them. But we'll shift back to a random topic that one that somebody brought up that has absolutely nothing to do with Star Trek. But somehow we'll find a way to bring it back. (laughs) Now, going a little bit back to you, what's your leadership style like? How do you like to lead Icarus Fleet? When it comes to my leadership, I do like to lead with a little bit of dictatorship, to be honest. As the fleet admiral, you know, it's got to be a little military and all that. But I do generally lead by consensus. If my rank sixes vote something, I agree with it. I'll go along with it. If not so much, I might put up an ejection to it. They might go my way. They might not. But overall, it's a community-type organization, and I don't have all the power in the fleet, nor does anybody else. Now, how do you conduct these votes and things of that nature? You mentioned already that you had TeamSpeak. Do you have a fleet website? And if so, is that a way you use it? Icarus Elite is actually part of a larger group called Icarus Group, which I'm the overall commander of. And we actually span multiple MMO games, but Star Trek is our main focus. And that's how the website is going to be used, is to connect everybody from all the different MMOs to come together into one community. Okay, so right now, how does someone become a member of Icarus Fleet? Right now, quite simply, in Star Trek, it's relatively easy. You have to use TeamSpeak. You have to at least be 18 years of older. But overall, we're looking for dedicated players, people who love Star Trek. That's the key thing. You have to have a love for Star Trek in order to fit in with our group. So that actually, I think, is our main requirement to be an Icarus Elite, quite simply, is you have to have a love for Star Trek. If you don't, then why are you really playing? Uh, Tell us a little bit more about the members that you work with. You know, who are the key players? Any specific shout-outs? Any specific thanks that you want to give out? Oh, yeah, I definitely have to give a shout-out to my XO. He goes by Taplos. He is one of the most phenomenal people you would ever meet, uh, in all honesty, in-game, out-of-game. He has truly become such an amazing friend to me and all that. You know, his intelligence, his ability to, you know, to lead and to to orchestrate is unbelievably unmatched. Without him, I wouldn't be able to do my job as Icarus leader. Very good. That's fantastic to hear. Anything else you'd like to mention about the fleet? Um, you know, that, that we are, you know, that we are open for recruiting, that we actually have a really good membership base because one of the restrictions we actually put on our fleet was is that the fleet stores would not open till the first Saturday after our Tier 4 Starbase was completed. And believe it or not, 450 people agreed to that rule and never argued that rule whatsoever. And when we opened our stores for the first time Saturday, the response was absolutely amazing. And our supplies in our stores are unbelievably high. But we just have such a good core group of people and all that that we would love to add more to the fleet. If anybody would be interested in joining, they can always send me an in-game message to, uh, at RF93. You can get a hold of me directly through uh, in-game messaging or through in-game email and all that. Yeah, the requirements are, of course, is that you do need to use TeamSpeak. It just makes for a more entertaining and a more vital experience 
Uh, an adage we use is you'll learn more in TeamSpeak in five minutes than you'll learn playing the game by yourself for a year. That is truth. That is truth. That's a pretty decent requirement and pretty reasonable. Uh, let me ask, have you guys had the opportunity of meeting each other at a convention or anything of that nature? Not necessarily for the most of us, but I do have plans on meeting most of my rank sixes within the next couple of months. Nice. Oh, very nice. Very nice. You guys should plan for Vegas already. Already. I, I, we're already trying to plan. We're already trying to start. It's almost a year away, but still. Oh, yeah. I've already I've already put in my pre-order for my tickets. So. Good, 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 good. So be sure to, to meet up with us. Well, Admiral, thank you so very much for stopping by and talking to us about your fleet, about Icarus Fleet. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely. If you want me back, I'm more than willing. Thank you very much. Again, special thanks to Admiral R.C. of Icarus Fleet. Be sure to check them out in-game. Now for the introduction to our segment called Field Notes, where we address your gaming tips, tricks, concerns, and bug reports. We had an incoming email from Errant. Errant is a member of SSOG, Starfleet Special Operations Group. Uh, and while I was in TeamSpeak with him and the rest of the team, he brought up something that's going on in-game that is a serious issue, especially for people that are our peers that like to get involved with new players. And what's happening is he'll go into zone and he wants to RP a little bit, or he just wants to help a new player. And what's happening is that there are other players that on purpose, it is their mission to troll, generally. Right. So the idea is that just blocking, just to do the text block, isn't enough. Because what's happening is that these trolls are hopping up on tables. If people are trying to RP in Drazana, they're jumping up around, running around. And so if you're trying to record or if you're trying to just immerse yourself in the Star Trek universe, you can't. Because there are these players that all they do is troll. So he recommends a few ideas. For instance, he mentions games like Second Life, where when you ignore the player, they completely come off the worldview. So not only is it the text, but it's the physical representation of that person. Now, I don't know how difficult or how easy it would be to implement something like this. I'm going to tend to think that it's more on the difficult side to implement this into an MMO like Star Trek Online. But it is an issue that needs to be addressed in some way, shape, or form because the trolls just keep coming. To my understanding, rumor has it there's a fleet out there that's how they induct people. But, you know, something to consider. Also, we want to specifically highlight and give a special thanks to StoWiki. For those of you that do not know, StoWiki is a wiki dedicated to Star Trek Online. It is wiki, run wiki. by the community and for the community. So it relies heavily on volunteer bloggers and writers to put together these tutorials and guides and suggestions for you and your overall game progression in Star Trek Online. We've worked personally with them before. We had, for instance, Phyrexian Hero on a number of episodes ago to discuss the Dilithium conversion. They're a great team, and they put a lot of hard work into StoWiki. And if you have not discovered it, I strongly recommend that you head on over there. They are looking for new volunteers to help with new articles and new guides. So if you think you're up for the task, and you think you got a good build, or you think you got some great suggestions, uh, I encourage you to reach out to them over at StoWiki.org. It is totally my Bible for this game. It really mm -hmm. is. It's a great it is. Site. It really is. That and Star Trek Online Academy, they have an awesome little skill planner between StillWiki and that online skill planner. I mean, you have the tools at your hand to have a really great build. So I strongly encourage you. We strongly support StillWiki, and we look forward to working with them further. Let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We've got some feedback from the Stowe Forum. Starfish1701 says, Great episode as always, and the new video installment of the Grand Cryptic Visit was good too. 
I download your podcast to my phone and listen to it while I'm at work. Erm, I mean, I listen to it while I'm working. Many thanks again. <laughs> yes. Roach, Roach says no. I missed it. A new show would have made sure Monday would go by better. Now I must wait for Tuesday. <laughs> we love you, Roach. <laughs> Taco Fangs, oh, taco. taco I'd fangs. gladly pay you Tuesday for a podcast today or something. Well, nice. You, uh, you That's the old wimpy pay. line. Yes. That is the old wimpy yeah, line. And yeah. you know what? He'd have to pay $60. <laughs> That's the old Elisha line. Indeed. Well, people love that line. People love it. They love it. I pay $60. They do love it. They do love it. And you guys can download a slew of $60 phrases from our website. So check out our downloads area. I believe it's on one of the top menu tabs uh, on the website. You hover over the channels button and then hit downloads. Yeah, and it's awesome because there's a whole bunch of clips and things from the show that I put together for everybody. So you'll find the commercials there too, our silly commercials. And we're going to be doing some more very soon. So keep your ears open at our show and eyes on the website. We got one from PriorityOnePodcast.com from Sean Newboy. This is great show, guys. Thank you. Whoop, whoop. Coming from the Facebook, we've got Jay Robinson who says, Great episode this was. However, I felt it was a bit short, especially since you had so much information there and you all blew through most of the information. With that said, great episode. Keep them coming. Coming to us from Twitter. Thank you, everyone who's retweeted Priority One Podcast. Our latest followers, Topsy Phillips. Rem01189 and Aaron Winkin. Well, thank you everyone for your feedback. We'd love to hear from you at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Shoot them to us, baby. Well, that wraps up episode 102, 102, broadcasting live from trekradio.net. Remember that we are on air every Thursday night at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific. We've been getting some amazing feedback and we play much better to a live audience. You'll have fun. Also, keep your eyes out for more goodies from our cryptic field trip and Star Trek London all month. We're looking for your suggestions and ideas for Blank of the Week and Field Notes, general show improvements, and additions. You can submit those ideas and any questions you might have on our online forum on the Priority One website via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. We're on Facebook. Head over to www.facebook.com slash PriorityOnePodcast. And say hi, or check us out on Twitter via at StowPriority1 for showtimes and other cool stuff. To have your Foundry missions featured on the show, send in the name of your mission, a brief description, and your at handle to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com, or use our online submission form at our new website, PriorityOnePodcast.com. We have shifted our Foundry reviews to a video format. We will be playing through the missions with its author when they are available, and posting them onto our YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com slash priority one our first video playthrough is up now and the next schedule one will go up first week of november so head on over and check them out head over to priority one podcast.com too because we really need some donations click the donate button or if you're an amazon shopper you can take a look at our gorgeous amazon affiliate store on the sidebar of the website and support the show while you shop Help us make you happy. Thank you to everyone who's donated via the button or by shopping through our Amazon affiliate store. We appreciate your support. We couldn't do this without it. We would like to thank Admiral RC of Icarus Fleet, the entire team over at PriorityOnePodcast.com, our executive producer, Elliot Tan, 
our production assistant and art director, Alex Calderwood, our audio engineer and host, Adrian Grady, and the composer of our phenomenal introduction theme music, Chris Watts. Special thanks to our sponsors, Sayulita.com and Geek Nation Tours, to all our syndication partners, to trekradio.net and the live crew, and of course, the Stowe community. Without you, none of this would be possible. It's that time. Say goodbye, yes, thank everyone. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Bye, guys. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Let's set corks. Do you guys do you guys hear that? Some, we've got something coming in on the comm. What? Who that be? Just in case, should we do like a uh, why don't we check out with that? Why, did, why don't as we you check say, out with Yeah, with the with the sweep, why don't we check out with Attack! Why don't we check out what happened this week in Trek? Thanks for that quick uh, one, Elliot. That was great. Anytime, sweetie. <laughs> bow chicka bow. <laughs> Again, special thanks to Admiral RC of Icarus Fleet. Don't breathe into the mic. <laughs> Who is that? Who is that? That was James. He's going, ah. Oh, it I was not. Really I was muted. No, muted. No, 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 nice try. No, you did that yesterday. You did that nice yesterday. Nice try. Was not me? Well, I was muted this time. I was muted. <laughs> <sighs> Apparently this is what I'm told I just breathe. I'm fing Darth Vader. I do have one more. I am your father, Adrian. <laughs> oh, oh hi dad. <laughs> What's up? Not much. I thought we'd go to the game this week. What do you say? Baseball? I hear the Empire's playing the Rebels again. <sighs> I think we'll win this week. We've got... We would like to thank Admiral RC of Icarus Fleet. The entire team over at PriorityOnePodcast.com, our executive producer, Elliot Tan, our production assistant and art director, Alex Calderwood, our audio engineer and host, Adrian Grady, and the composer of our phenomenal introduction theme music, Chris Watts. You ever notice we're the only two that don't get any thanks on there? Uh, so we've got, oh, This Week in Trek is up. So James, take it away. Shoot, I don't have it on. No, well, there is a question to our audience. Uh, oh, no, 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 no